0: Welcome to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. I'm Nolan Bicknell. Today on River City 360, our coverage of Will Week. No matter how old you are, do you have an up-to-date will? We sit down with Leilani Kagan, a local lawyer who has been helping deliver Will Week in Winnipeg for 10 years now to find out all about it. But what happens if you don't have a will? We will also hear from Doug Brown, uh, not the former Winnipeg Bloom Armour, but Manitoba's public guardian and trustee, and he'll answer that question for us. Then Robert Zirk sits down with uh, Leslie Weir to talk about Bequest 101, an informational seminar that's coming up in Winnipeg on how easy it is to make a charitable gift within your will uh, to leave a lasting legacy for the community. And finally, our regular feature with Noah Ehrenberg of Community News Commons, featuring highlights from CNC this past week. All this, some great music, and much more on today's episode of River City 360. You're listening to River City 360. I'm now joined in studio by Leilani Kagan. She is a Winnipeg lawyer here and. We invited her in today to talk about Will Week, which uh, happened this past week. Uh, Will Week is a series of free public seminars that take place each year during the last full week of April. Uh, The sessions highlight the importance of having an up-to-date will, a power of attorney, and healthcare directive. So thank you very much, Leilani, for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: No problem. So first question, why is Will Week important for uh, our community?
1: It's important for our community for two reasons. One is that it's important for the people in our community. And from each individual's perspective, it's important that they have a will in place because it allows them to plan for how their estate will be administered after they're gone. And that's important because they then have the confidence and the assurance that what they would like to have happen with their property after they've gone will happen. It also allows their family To deal with their passing in a way that's a little more organized because there's a plan that's already been put in place that can be followed by the family and by friends. And so it takes away that element of uncertainty and sometimes a little bit of the chaos that follows when someone passes. The second reason that Will Week is important for our community is that individuals who are philanthropic and generous throughout their life have an opportunity after they're gone, through their will, to make charitable gifts to organizations within our community that will then leave a legacy and allow those people to continue doing the good work they did during their lifetime to benefit the community after they're gone. So by putting those plans in place in your will, you have the assurance again that what you, all the good work you did in your life can continue after you're gone in the manner in which you would have done and continue to have done if you had stayed with us
0: perfect so and it kind of it just takes away all the you know when when your family's going through a a tough situation like that it takes away all the guesswork basically that's right so what what is what are some common frequently asked questions that you've dealt with in the past 10 years
1: one of the most frequent questions is about who to appoint as an executor and although will week does provide information as to what an executor's duties are that's a much longer conversation that so what we do is we provide information about these are the legal obligations of the executor as i said some of the lawyers will then impart uh, advice about who may make a better choice as an executor and for what reason because it's a personal
0: decision based on every single situation that's exactly
1: right and it's based on whether or not you have family whether or not you have close friends or advisors that you want to appoint whether or not you have anyone that lives in canada those are all the kind of those are the most popular questions is who to appoint as an executor.
0: Um, is there anything else you'd like to tell our listeners about will week um, or where they can find more information?
1: You can find more information about Will Week by going online. The website is winnipegwill.com. Okay. You can also um, obtain information by phoning 948, sorry, it's 204 948. 3394 or you can email the public guardian and trustee at pgt that stands for public guardian trustee at gov.mb.ca
0: and that information will be on the website as well the phone number and that's correct that's right so you can go to winnipegwill.com thank you very much uh leilani kagan uh local lawyer and member of the will week steering committee thanks for uh sitting down with us thank you Leilani mentioned the public guardian and trustee And coming up after the break we, we were going to speak with him uh, Joining us in studio will be public guardian And trustee of Manitoba, Doug Brown But before Doug joins us, here is I Did It My Way by Frank Sinatra You're listening to River City 360 My friend
2: I'll say it clear I'll state my case Of which I'm certain I've lived I did what I had to do I saw it through Without exemption I planned each charted course Each careful step Along the highway And more Much more than this I did it my way yes there were times i'm sure you knew when i bit off more than i could chew and through it all when there was doubt i ate it up and spit it Oh, no, oh,
0: no, not me. You're listening to River City 360. I'm now joined in studio by Doug Brown. He is the public guardian and trustee here in in, Manito- or in Winnipeg or Manitoba? Uh, Manitoba. All of Manitoba. Fantastic. So thank you very much for joining us. Well, thanks for the invitation. Uh, so we wanted to talk, uh, uh, Will Week happened this past week, and we wanted to bring you in and kind of ask what what your role in that would have been. And, and so I guess the first question is, what is the office of the public guardian and trustee? And uh, what kind of work is involved in that?
3: We're the provincial government agency that, uh, that uh, does a variety of functions uh, managing the affairs of Manitobans who are unable to do so themselves or, okay. or have no other options. So we become involved with adults, whether it's under mental health orders, whether they're declared incompetent or, or under vulnerable persons orders. Uh, we also deal with estates, so there's nobody available to, to uh, administer an estate or act as an executor on an estate, uh, our office will, will step in.
0: So wills are vitally important, then, would you say?
3: That's certainly a, okay. a, a good part of our office, yes.
0: Um, what, what happens if someone doesn't have a will?
3: Well, what generally happens if somebody doesn't have a will is, uh, is it'll get re- if it gets referred to our office, what we'll do is we'll look at the situation and see if, in fact, there is an estate to administer. So if there really isn't anything there or or no indication of of, of a benefit for somebody, say there's no children involved or whatever, we, we may not get involved. Uh, but say there there is uh, some money there, or property, or or you know just personal items, and there and in other situations if there's children involved or or beneficiaries that that are minors in particular, and no one else is available to act on the estate, that's usually when our office would step in.
0: Okay, and and what how, what do you base your decisions on then?
3: Yeah, we look at the whole situation so as as an example if, if somebody were to pass away and and they really had no money in a bank account or they didn't have you know anything that needed to to be distributed and there were no other family involved uh, there's probably no purpose in administering the estate uh, but where there are assets involved or if, certainly if there are children involved or even dependent adults who you know an adult who is dependent on that person who isn't able to administer the estate themselves, then then our office would make the application to the court to, to be able to administer the estate.
0: For our listeners, what would you say would the be your best advice that you could give as it relates to... Uh, then planning their estate or or writing up a will or any of sort of that that area of life. You
3: know what what the will does is it gives you some some certainty gives you some comfort level. Uh, if there you know you you want your your estate to go to to presumably family or friends or whatever you, you know you you can make that direction but you've got to do it in a formal will. Uh, so by having a will you can make sure your wishes are, are being taken care of. You know, and the other reality is uh, by having a will with uh, an executor named and somebody who who you know who's willing to act on it, I mean, it's going to reduce costs and it's going to make things more efficient for, uh, as well.
0: Right, and potentially reduce the friction between family and just all sorts of nastiness that can potentially come up.
3: And that's part. Of, and that's part of the equation too, right? If if you have a will that's too old, say you, say you did it thirty years ago and you haven't updated it, and the executor that you've named in the wills passed away, and even the beneficiaries aren't around or available anymore, uh, that that can create a lot of friction within you know the remaining family members.
0: If, can someone argue that if a will was made so long ago and it's not kept up to date, can someone argue that maybe they're you know, once someone's gone, their decisions might have been different had their will been updated or something. So it's best to just, do you know what I'm asking? Yeah, it's probably, probably
3: what would happen in that case is not so much that the decisions would be different, but somebody would have to go to the court and explain why they should be the ones that are acting as an executor of the will. Okay. And then once they were appointed, because in order to be an executor of a will, you have to have a court appointment. You can't just grab the will and start doing it yourself. You have to get that court order behind it. Once that's in place, then you'd have to follow the instructions and the wills best you could. Right.
0: So I guess at the end of the day, make sure you have an up-to-date will. And if you don't have a will, make sure you have one. And that'll kind of solve all potential friction. Yep, for and, sure. And you'll be comfortable. You'll be taken care of. And, and your wishes will will be uh, sort of brought forth as as you intended.
3: Yeah, a lot of the cases that we deal with, say when there wasn't a will, uh, we we have to spend a lot of time and and money, and it's money that comes out of the estate uh, to try to trace Um. if there are family, if there are relatives. Uh, You know, and in some families that can be pretty difficult. If you had somebody who was elderly when they passed away who had immigrated, you know, from another country. Those searches are, are can get pretty complex.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, Dan, uh, Doug, for taking the time to talk to us today. We really appreciate it. Okay. Great. Thank you. As we heard in the last interview, wills are vitally important in ensuring your final wishes are met, both for your family and for you for your community. Here's Robert Zirk with more.
4: I'm now joined by Leslie Weir. She's the Director of Family Philanthropy at the Winnipeg Foundation, and she's going to tell us about how she helps individuals and families learn about philanthropy and plan their charitable giving. So thanks for joining us, Leslie.
5: Nice to be with you, Robert. Thank you for inviting me.
4: No problem. So first off, you're the Foundation's Director of Family Philanthropy. Can you explain a little more about what family philanthropy means?
5: Well, Robert, we, um, as we go through life, we tend to think about how we can benefit others in the community, support causes that are important to us, and often uh, families do like to come together to do things across generations, or you know perhaps even family and friends coming together, or they're planning a legacy that will carry on with future generations, and so we help people think through what it is that they want to focus on and how they'd like that to work.
4: Okay, so can you tell us a little bit about your role here at the foundation and what kind of assistance would you give to people who are looking to make a charitable gift?
5: Well, we help them decide whether they want to support sort of a full spectrum of the various worthy causes in the community or narrow that down to something that is particularly meaningful to them. We often look at the, at the various ways that the Foundation can help them manage that process. We do a lot of listening and then helping to craft something that works best in their circumstances.
4: So this year the Foundation is offering the public a workshop that's called Bequest 101. Can you tell us a little more about what the session is about?
5: Uh, Certainly, Robert. The foundation has benefited from bequests that people have left through their estate plans and their wills since uh, about 1925. And it's really uh, many generations of those kinds of gifts that have helped build our capacity to grant out to the community, last year supporting well over 800 charitable organizations. So this is just really an opportunity for people to come together, hear about the flexibility and uh, the assistance that that we can offer to help them fulfill their aspirations and also provide an opportunity for them to hear about how other people are thinking about their legacies. Uh, so it's a, quite an interactive process that really takes its shape based on who's uh, who's being part of the conversation that day.
4: What dates will the Bequest 101 sessions be offered and whereabouts will they be held?
5: Um, the first session, Robert, will take place on Wednesday, April 29th. From 6:30 to 8:30 at the Norwood Hotel. It's uh, fairly central, and uh, parking is easily accessible. And the following two sessions will also be at the Norwood, and they will take place on Tuesday, May the 12th, from 9 to 11, and Thursday, May 14th, from 1 to 3 p.m.
4: If people are interested in attending the sessions, how can they register or get more information?
5: Well, please be in touch with us here at the Foundation. You can call us at 204-944-9474 or email us. My colleague, Alana Squire, will be very happy to speak with you. And um, certainly we just want to make sure that we can accommodate the number of people planning to attend.
4: That's great. So thank you very much, Leslie, for joining me. Thank you. Leslie Weir is the Director of Family Philanthropy for the Winnipeg Foundation. To learn more about Bequest 101 sessions, visit WPGFDN.org.
0: Thanks, Robert. And now part three in your series about Winnipeggers who, through foresight, planning, and generosity, created a lasting legacy that helped make their community a better place.
4: Henry Wynne Huxley's army records show that he enlisted in the Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry on Christmas Eve, 1914, at age 23. Maybe he had seen posters with slogans like, your chums are fighting, where are you? One can imagine the young private, perhaps proud, perhaps nervous to enter into a war that was lasting longer than originally expected. By then it would have been clear that Canadian soldiers wouldn't be returning home by Christmas, Six months later, Huxley was wounded in Belgium, but continued to serve through the duration of the war. He returned home, where he later married and went on to live a long life. He passed away in his home on Wellington Crescent in 1962. His estate transferred to his wife, Alexandrina, and called for a gift to be made to the Winnipeg Foundation upon her death. Before her passing ten years later, Alexandrina Huxley wrote to the Foundation, explaining the couple's decision to give through their wills. She wrote, We both felt that we would like to offer assistance, particularly in the field of education, to children who show promise and desire but are unable to continue their studies for financial reasons. Providing for the aged, the destitute, and the helpless must of course be a first consideration. The Mr. H. Wynn Huxley Fund is a community building fund that, in keeping with the Huxleys' wishes, supports a wide range of charitable work in our city. Since it was established 40 years ago, it has made grants worth more than five times the Huxley's original gift. Because this fund is permanently endowed at the Winnipeg Foundation, it will support our community for good, forever. When you give to the Winnipeg Foundation, you join Henry Wynn and Alexandrina Huxley, and the thousands more who've had the foresight to give for good
0: forever. Coming up after the break, we're joined in studio as we are every week by Noah Ehrenberg, convener of Community News Commons. But first, how about we listen to Try a Little Kindness by Glenn Campbell, right here on River City 360.
6: If you see your brother standing by the road, with a heavy load. And if you see your sister falling by the way Just stop and say You're going the wrong way You've got to try a little kindness Yes, yeah, show sure, a little kindness that us shine your light for everyone to see People on the narrow minded streets. Don't walk around the down and out. Lend a helping hand instead of doubt. And the kindness that you show every day. We'll help someone along their way You've got to try a little kindness Yes, show a little kindness It shine your light for everyone to see And if you try a little kindness Then you'll overlook the blindness Narrow-minded people on the narrow-minded
0: Thank you for listening to River City 360. Joining us now in studio, as he does every week, is Noah Ehrenberg, convener of Community News Commons, the citizen journalism initiative that is uh, another project of the Winnipeg Foundation. So Noah, thanks for joining us. It's great to be here. So tell us what's been uh, making headlines at CNC this week. Well, Community News Commons has had a lot of stories uh, this week.
7: Uh, One of my favorites uh, started with the line, the last memory he had of a bike is the one that transported him to a hospital when his leg was blown off at the age of 10. It's quite the line oh. yeah and that basically is a story about wrench which is a bike Jeez. reuse program that uh, pretty much uh, believes that every kid deserves a bike do you think every kid deserves a bike
0: I would love a I would love a bike now and I'm 29 years old
7: the thing is with uh, there being considerable poverty in Winnipeg um, not every kid has a chance to own a bike mm. and so what wrench does is they take old bikes and old parts from bikes and they basically uh, build new bikes for kids and they help uh, the kids Kids uh, help uh, build these bikes. They so yeah, they learn. It.
0: They can learn stuff about engineering and basic kind of skills like that.
7: Exactly, Very and they cool. they they learn how to build a bike, and they learn. Uh, they also get a lock, and uh, they're able to. Uh, basically, this becomes a, a bike. It's one of the things maybe that they've one of the first things they've ever owned, and so cool. it's a it's a great program. And so Heather Emberly wrote a story about this because. A, a group that she's associated with which is Margaret's Choir which is a terrific choir of about 170 members it's just an amazing mm-hmm. choir they're doing a benefit concert a fundraising concert on May 8th at NBCI Jubilee Auditorium in support of Wrench cool. and uh, that is something that um, should be a really good show and it's uh, it's a really good story so I would encourage uh, our listeners to uh, to take a look I mean if they want to look at other stories on uh, CNC they just have to go to cncwpg.org or just google community news conference but one other story I really enjoyed was by Carrie Ryan, which was about a, a community health center, the Norwest Co-op Community Health Center in the northwest part of the uh, of the city that opened a community food center. And um, it, it was something that's been happening out east a lot, but this is the first one in western Canada. And essentially, uh, the center found that uh, there was a lot of issues surrounding food i mean a place like gilbert park the neighborhood in the northwest part of the city uh, median uh, average median income of about fifteen thousand a year so imagine oh. trying to feed your family on that yeah no um, you know there's a lot of families who are just struggling to put food on the table let alone healthy food right. so uh, what they've been able to do is um, you know within consultations with the community uh, they've you know, talked about issues such as poverty, lack of local food stores, lack of transportation, um, you know, and sort of the process has uh, allowed the residents to uh, realize that they need a gathering place, they need a place where they can discuss issues like poverty, hunger, and health, and also mm-hmm. figure out how to uh, build a, a nutritious uh, menu for their families and and how to budget for groceries. So this is a really great article by Carrie Ryan that I think uh, our listeners would enjoy.
0: Great. And I mean, there's new articles being put up every day. Those are just two of the phenomenal work that a lot of our citizen journalists and citizen reporters are, are doing. Uh, so you can you can go to like Noah said CNCWPG.org uh, and become a citizen journalist. It's it's not hard, right? Yeah, I mean
7: if you if uh, anybody wants to contribute content, tell a story from their neighborhood, I'll help them do that. All they have to do is go to the website, register, and they can do audio or video. Uh, they can do articles, uh, photos. Uh, basically, um, you know, even if you're not that ambitious, you can even contribute a photo of the day which we have every day or you can even answer the poll question uh, which is called I wonder Winnipeg And this uh, month it's all about uh, how walkable our city is Um, if you know for more information certainly our listeners can give me a call here at the Winnipeg Foundation 204-944-9474
0: that's great and uh, each week my favorite part of River City 360 is when you bring us a local musician or singer-songwriter to uh, to introduce to our audience and uh, so who have you brought uh, this week
7: well, I'd like to feature Greg Arcade. He is a local singer-songwriter who does a lot of uh, music around town. He'll be playing at the Jazz Fest in June. He um, will be playing at the uh, Prairie Wind Festival. Uh, he has a show May the 2nd coming up uh, at the Handsome Daughter. And um, he, he's a he's a really talented uh, musician. He also does some great design work for show posters. Uh, cool. You can see his music at uh, gregarcade.com. And uh, I'd like to feature a song called Leaving Home, which is from the uh, CD of that same name. So uh, Greg Arcade, Leaving Home, here on River City 360, CJNU 93.7 FM.
6: got to go, so baby I'm leaving home, baby I'm leaving home, baby I'm leaving home, baby I'm leaving home, home. I want bright lights, I want big skies, my name up on that marquee, A thousand people, yeah And feel their eyes Burning to me
0: That's all for this week's episode of River City 360. If you want to hear more views and news from around Winnipeg, you can visit our website, rivercity360.org, or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Now before we go, I'd like to invite you to the What's Our Walkability Forum, Thursday, April 30th at 5.30 p.m. at the Free Press News Cafe in The Exchange. It's a free event, so come on down. We'd love to hear from you. So if you have any comments or feedback, please call our listener line at 204-944-9474, extension 290, or you can email us at rivercity360 at wpgfdn.org. River City 360 Views and News from Around Winnipeg is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with Community News Commons and CJNU 93.7 FM. Thank you very much for listening. We will see you next week.